Well, we played great, you know, and, and uh, we beat a really good team. Um, I thought uh, the crowd was unbelievable, and the energy, it's more like uh, Cameron of old. Since we said we're going to be old-fashioned, this is like an old-fashioned Cameron game where the crowd and the team were one. This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the Die Hard Duke Basketball Fans Podcast, 22-3, 12-2, and sitting atop the standings of the ACC. It's going to take you a while to find where UNC is all the way down at the bottom. AC, I'll let you <laughs> keep scrolling because it's going to take a while to get there. What a week for Duke basketball. What oh a week. Yeah, what a week. What a, what a past 16 days it's been. I mean, we, we started talking about it a while ago on the podcast about how this last stretch was going to be extremely difficult. Three straight road games in the matter of a week. And then you follow that up with Florida State at home immediately after. We talked about it. Going two and four in that stretch would have been awesome. And it would have you know been a, a bolstering thing for this team. But to go four and oh out of that stretch, dude, oh, my God. Yeah, you can't say enough about the resiliency of this team. And it all starts with Trey Jones. And in, in this podcast, we're going to talk about, obviously, the FSU and the Notre Dame game. But we're going to bring back the overreaction segment. We're going to get to our ACC roundup. Mm-hmm. And then we'll make our predictions for the couple games that we have coming up. But but really, let's start, obviously, with the FSU game. I, I'll be the first one to admit. And, and I'll kinda, I, might, I might just start doing this, AC. Like, when, when I predict this to lose, yep. they, they, they must hear it and use it as bulletin board material. I'm giving all credit to myself on this one. Absolutely. Uh, but, no, but, but seriously, um, it was a team win. And I thought that, and, and Kay said it in his press conference after the game, he was so proud of his guys. I'm like, Again, the chills, I don't know what it is about talking about this team. Um, you know, it's, I, I fully went into that game um, accepting the fate that we would, we would be on an emotional hangover from that UNC win. But they came out. They, they, they shot the ball well early. There were so many turnovers, but they just they just found ways to, to make it happen. Oh, yeah. And and really, this was a game, and you, you hoped to see it, but in a game like this, you really needed the defense to show up because you knew coming, coming off of that overtime when you knew they were going to be tired, you knew it was going to be difficult to put a bunch of points up on the board. So the next best thing to do is lock in and play defense, and that's exactly what they did. And in a two in a two game scenario like that, that's what you want to see because that's what you're going to see in the tournament. So you know the first game in the weekend, we put some points up. The second game able to defend, that's usually how the tournament goes. And to see this team be able to do that was absolutely excellent. I loved seeing that. I loved the response that they had to the overtime game. They didn't let that just weigh on their mind and. Let's rest on that game. They came out for Florida State and really just took control. And it was it was awesome. I mean, Florida State, they they got a lot of shots in the paint. That's what they want to do. They they want to shoot from the paint. They want to force it down your throat. Pause. And that's exactly what they did. They they totally tried to do that. And Duke was able to rebound. They were able to force them in the bad shots, even though they were shots they wanted to try to get. And and then three from 18 from three. They really defended the three well. So that part wasn't working for FSU. So once again, man, can't say enough about that effort, especially coming off that road trip. Yeah, you could definitely see early on what Kay's strategy was. Let them fire away from deep. Uh, they mm-hmm. weren't gonna, Kay was not going to let them beat them inside. Um, let's give a, a couple 
shout-outs here. Was that the best game that Jordan Goldwire has played so far? Oh, easily. Easily, and he's had some good ones. That's that's not disparaging his other good games that he has had and shown. That, but that was his best game, and and what a way to lock in and just and show up huge for this team when you like that's the type of stuff you need to head into the tournament. You need the unknowns, the guys that aren't on the scouting report, to show up for you and do some work. That was the problem with the team last year. The guys that were on the scouting report had their good games, but the guys that were not on the report didn't do their jobs. And this year, that's different. This year, those guys are really stepping up and making big plays for this team, man. Uh, Jordan, you can't say enough about what he's done all season, but this game was was kind of the culmination for what we've been saying about him for the past few months. Yeah, if he's making layups, you know it's a good day. Um, <laughs> and threes. But, uh, My man was dropping you know, threes. Don't forget. Hey, remember, dude, he, he, I, yeah, you did. I, I, I remember. I remember. Uh, that was on your wish list. Um, yes, absolutely. You know, it's, you know, it's funny. Uh, we also said on this podcast multiple times that Matthew Hurt knows how to bounce back. You know, anytime mm-hmm. that he has some adversity, he does. He does a great job. He he kind of uh, exemplifies and embodies what this team's always been. It it, it bounces back from adversity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Matthew Hurt had a fantastic game. He played 18 minutes in this one. But when he came in at the end, obviously, I was so happy for him as a, as a kid. To, 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 he was not going to be denied on that rebound at the end. Oh my he God, wanted yeah. it so bad. And then he goes down and not calmly knocks down those two free throws. I can't say enough about, um, you know, just the, the, the bounce back that Matthew Hurt had in this game especially. Oh, dude, that was the toughest play he's made all season. And that's one of the toughest plays anybody on the team has made all season. So just, yeah. the, just the toughness to go in there amongst, what was it, four different maroon jerseys and snatch that board and and be able to hold on to the ball, draw the foul, and everything else that went along with that. That was the toughest play he's made all season. Like you said, it was such a big bounce-back game. And the thing, the thing about his offense, his offense is always there. Like, it's always been there. The problem is when he can't be on the floor – because of the defensive side of the ball, it, it sucks. But it's he's starting – it looks like he's starting to get it and he's starting to be able to show some life on the defensive end. He really he really did propel this team in, in certain spots where we couldn't get the ball in the basket. That was that was amazing. It was great to watch. And we're going to need him. We're going like, to need everybody on this team, but he's one of those guys sure. that you absolutely need to win a title. You know, one of my favorite things about this team, grab your shot glass, is, is the versatility. But really, the, the reason is because, you know, when a couple of guys may be struggling or are tired, you could just see that Trey Jones was exhausted in the, in, in the second half of that game. Uh, mm-hmm. They did a great job of taking Vernon Carey out of that game. He still finished with a double-double, but he only got five shots. They did a great job of taking him out. So you got to give credit to, to, to guys like Goldwater. And, and and Alex O'Connell, I thought he bounced back really well. Um, and 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 you know Jordan or uh, uh, um hitting those two free throws down the stretch that was huge. Grab some man rebounds. So um, you know different guys step up. You know throughout the season it, this has happened, and it just it is so balanced. We we have our two guys. We know who our two best players are. They've emerged as. Two of the best players in the country, obviously, Trey Jones yep. and Vernon Carey. But that doesn't mean that we have to rely on them like in years past. We've talked about Orange exactly. James Zion, Bagley, uh, Grayson Allen, uh, Tatum, and Pennard. But this mm-hmm. year, um, we have such a balance. We don't have to have 
you know, Vernon and Trey have their best teams to still win. And I think that that speaks volumes about this team. Exactly. And I don't remember if it was Digger Phelps. I don't, I can't remember exactly who gave the quote, but what, you know, great, one of the great coaches is given a quote that it's not necessarily your one and two guys that win you titles. It's your five and six guys that win you titles. And, and our five and sixes are probably better than just about anybody else's in the nation. If you think that maybe our five and six is probably more like a Wendell and Cassius or, or maybe not even Cassius, Wendell and Matt or, or even Wendell and Joey or Wendell and Alex, you know, those guys are like our five and six. I'll take them over anybody else's five and six in the nation right now. There is no question that we have the balance, the depth, and pace, not afraid to use it. It was a hell of a win for this team. It was uh, a win that I fully anticipated going in, that we would lose that game, and I was, I was accepting our fate. But we were able to grind it out, and it, and you could hear it in Kay's voice. He was so proud of the squad uh, after that win. And, you know, a well-deserved few days off for that team. They had to be exhausted. And then we flipped the page, and we go right against Notre Dame, Mike Bray. You know, it was, you know, we, we were in the control the entire time. But then He's we got Kay's in. number. Mike Bray's got Coach yeah, Kay's yeah. number. And then we bring in the death line of Alex O'Connell, Joey Baker, Matthew Hurt against the zone and blew the doors off the Irish. Oh I mean, God. God, I was so jacked up for that game. I was. It, it was the Tamron of old. It was the Tamron yeah. of old. Um, you know, they were – they were rocking and rolling. It was, it was actually a breath of fresh air to hear, dare I say, the old Dickie V up in the booth, right, man, right. up in the crow's nest. He was going nuts. He loved it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Kate talked about it after the game. Um, you know, it, it was like the Cameron crazies and the, and the team was one. Uh, it's one of my favorite Coach K things to say. You don't hear it all the time anymore. But, you know, that was a fun, fun throwback game for this Duke team. Oh, absolutely. And – and and of course, what what a night for for Zion to come back. I mean, they were yeah. they were rocking before he came back, and then that really that that shifted that just shifted the air a little bit too when he showed up. But you know, just we've kind of talked about it before. It's you kind of feel like that Zion has been happening, but the way this team has been playing, the way they came off that road trip, you kind of feel like the fans are starting more. So I really hope this is something moving forward. But man, what a stretch with Matt, Joey, and Alex. That that's the lineup we we said we we feared having to see that lineup at any point this season early on. Yeah, and I don't know some of my fears are being erased because when you need buckets, that's a great three minute stretch to have those guys be able to come in. Um, it's especially if if the other team has built a little bit of a lead or you just you just need something to get going. There's no way you can defend Trey, Joey, Alex, Matt, and Vernon on the floor. Five guys. There's no yeah. way you can do it. You can't help. You can't you you can't pack the lane in. You can't help. You can't play zone. You can't trap. What are you gonna do? Like, what are you what are you actually gonna do with that lineup? It's, you can it's, see, um, yeah, no, you can see the the floor opening up for Vernon Carey. Mm-hmm. So you know, Alex hit a three and Joey hit a three, uh, and then Trey made an unbelievable pass, you know, wide open in the lane to Vern, and and he finishes. Like, Vern must love. Uh, having those shooters on the floor at the same time because you're not going to double Vern at that point. You can't. Who are you going to leave open? Hurt? You're going to leave open Joey? You're going to leave open Alex? You can't. So, um, you know, obviously the the concern with that lineup is defensively. But, you know, if if we're trading threes for twos, uh, you know, good luck. And then to go back and talk about how this team played defense against Notre Dame. I mean, John Mooney was really the only person – 
who who really could go nuts for Notre Dame this game, and, and Mooney's going to do that. He's Mooney yeah. things, and that's how he is. Jawan Durham, I was impressed with how active he was, and active bigs have been an issue for this team. He was able to fly around, get a lot of rebounds, a lot of putbacks, but in, in the half court offensive set, he wasn't able to really do anything. You know, we kind of just let you kind of let those go, and you move forward, and you fix it next possession down. But Prentice Hub couldn't get anything going. Gibbs couldn't get anything going. Fluger couldn't get anything going. That that sequence with him and Jordan Goldwire in the first half was just the epitome of Jordan's yeah. season, the epitome of what this team, the way they can just dog down on defense. And yeah, nice try, Rex. <laughs> I don't know what you were thinking, but nice try. You know, it's funny. It's probably the opposite of the Florida State game where we took away all of their shooters. And, you know, they were 5 of 21 from deep. Uh, excellent perimeter defense. You know, we gave up uh, a lot inside early, um, right. but it was kind of a that was kind of a game plan, right? You know, take away yep. their, their their perimeter and and you know wear you down. And Jordan suffocating defense, and it was fun to watch when he did strip it and and then go to to, to finish that layup. Um, Trey watching Trey go nuts. Um, mm-hmm. Trey loved it, and the fans loved it, and that's the Cameron of old. Um, but the team fed off of that. And another phenomenal game for Jordan Goldwire. Um, dude, the kid, the kid, I mean, 31 minutes, 9.45, another one for one from, from deep. Uh, Was he at like five straight threes now or something like that, going back to the yeah, don't, don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. <laughs> Damn it, my fault. <laughs> Come on. Uh, you don't talk about people with a perfect game. Um, true, true. What happened last year with Jeff? Yeah, well, even Jay, by the way, even Jay with the Oh, my God. The three. Yo, the Marshall Plumley three from Javin Deloria. He's a three-point guy now, man. He's a double-double guy and a three-point guy. Well, he, he actually thought that because he then stepped out again <laughs> tried to try to do it again. Dude, don't, don't push your luck, man. Don't push your that luck. That was the worst thing that could have happened, him making that three. That's the worst thing that oh, could have happened. Yeah, no, we, look, <laughs> you made one. You got it. Great. Let's, let's not push it here. Can uh, we bring something it, up? Can we bring one thing up? Because it's kind of hit it. Twitter a little bit, and I'm glad to finally see it on on the mainstream a little bit. We've talked about it before in the past. There's there's some rumblings out there in the into in the interwebs. They, people want to see Justin Robinson a little bit instead of Jav, man. I, I don't disagree. I want to see Justin Robinson a little bit too. I think I think he can give us for the majority of the same thing at at the very least against some of these teams that are going to try to spread us out. For instance, NC State's going to try to spread us out coming up. We'll get to that game later, but Justin Robinson plays perimeter defense better than Jav. He has, he always has, he always will. It's just that's the nature of what he does. Javin's a better interior defender. Justin Robinson plays perimeter better. I'd like to see him get a shot, man. I really would. And you know he can knock down the three from deep. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't hate that at all. And he's actually a really good uh, rebounder. He, yeah. uh, he does the dirty work much like Jav does, but he's got more coordination. Um, right. I, I don't hate that at all. I, I'd love to see um, Robinson in there. Yeah, yeah um, truly. It, it, would, it would be interesting for sure because he does, again, he does spread the floor out. You know, he's a very confident player. Uh, it was it was mm-hmm. fun to watch him. And he's Mark. had meaningful minutes in the past. He's he has. Had meaning, he's, for sure. he's had tournament minutes in the past. He played in the game against Kansas. Like, yeah, no, he's, I mean, had, he's had meaningful time. So it's not that the moment would ever be too big for him, I don't think. He's he's a calm, stoic type player. I don't I don't see the moment being too big for Justin Robinson. I don't either. I and and I'd, be, I'd be very comfortable with him on the floor. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. 
it, I would be completely fine with him, you know, getting 10 minutes out there, spreading the floor. He plays great defense. And even if, you know, this happens a lot when a guy like that comes in, you know, the refs are quick to call fouls on that player because they haven't seen him. Uh, right. But five fouls is five fouls. So it would at minimum give us five more fouls. Mine is going to hit a couple threes out there. Right. Um, but either way, yeah, it was it was a big time win uh, just because it was it was a throwback. It was a lot of fun to watch. If, if we're making, and, and Mike Bray said it after the game, if Duke's making threes at the pace that they were, you know, what are you going to do? He's just kind of, he, right. he even said to his team in the huddle, you know, let's plan for the next couple of games. You know, use that time to plan for the next couple of games. So big win. It was a lot of fun to watch. And it brings us to our overreaction segment. It's back. Uh, we're bringing it back. We're bringing it back. And the first one on that note, we've talked about it. We hinted at it. The Cameron Crazies. And you see, on a day back, or is that an overreaction? I'd like to think that they're back. I, I, I really would. I'll allow it. Obviously, we're getting towards the end of the season. The students are, you know, things are winding down. You got a, you got a couple of home games left, including UNC. That's the game that they've been tenting for the entire time. I mean, I, I think they, I think the students better understand what this team is doing, what they've become. You know, things were I mean, if they felt like they were up in the air for the past couple of weeks because we just weren't playing very well, and then we had that that road stretch. But man, I mean, they 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 showed up. They really did. Yeah, we've we have lambasted them and talked about how bad they've been, and so we got to give them credit when they were actually good, and they were really good during during the Notre Dame game, especially. But the FSU game, even they they had some nice moments there as as a fan group during that game as well. But Notre Dame really was kind of the that was the culmination of it all, but you know, so we got Tech on Saturday at 8 p.m. I have a feeling the stadium is going to be rocking for that game because it's in Black Saturday game. No classes to worry about. That's been kind of the excuse has been they have class, everything else. You know, you you come back, you get NC State in a few weeks at home, 7 p.m. game should be a big one, and then what followed that up with UNC. So we we got a couple of games left. We don't have the excuse of the nine o'clock game anymore. We don't have some of the excuses that have been thrown around as to why the crazies haven't been showing up. So, you know, let's see. Let's see what they can do. Let's, I, I, I feel good about the, at least these last three games uh, for, for Cameron. Yeah, we have three games left uh, for the Cameron crazies. I'm going to say it is a bit of an overreaction. That was an overreaction. Uh, it was happy to see, but you got you to gotta, you gotta prove it to me. You got to prove that you're right. going to do this consistently. Um, it's easy when Zion walks back into the building. For everybody to get nuts. Uh, it's easy when you know Joey, Matt, and Alex are raining threes, uh, like just you know Trajan Landon and William Avery out there. Uh, but you know, it, show me before I, I I fully buy into it. Either way, it was a lot of fun to see. So I'm gonna say it's a slight overreaction, but if, if they can prove me wrong again, uh, I will gladly gladly eat crow. Um, and let's come to the second one. And this has been a fun topic now that we're kind of in that home stretch. Uh, we're 22-3. and three. We're on top of the ACC standings. Does Duke seeding in the tournament, whether we're a one or a two, mm-hmm. that matters. Is that an overreaction, or are you going to allow it? Let's see. That was an overreaction. Overreaction. <laughs> Absolutely, it's an overreaction. Look, not to say that, again, Jay Billis made this quote earlier in the season any team can beat duke this season true but duke also can beat any team in the nation this season and should beat any team in the nation this season 
Like we look at the top four teams right now, San Diego State, Gonzaga, Kansas, and Baylor. Of those four, Baylor is going to be the toughest matchup because of how they play defense. Kansas plays good defense too, but we've seen what we can do against Kansas. We didn't even have our best game against Kansas either. We talk about how Kansas didn't have a great game, but they play into what we do best, which is two bigs, one ball handler. That's what we do best. We create turnovers all day on that lineup. We might not create 28 again, but we'll definitely force them into a bunch of turnovers, right? So moving forward, we talk about Gonzaga. Gonzaga doesn't play D, okay? So I'm I'm over with us playing Gonzaga. San Diego State, they're an unknown commodity. They're a balanced team. They they rebound well, but outside of that, they have some bigs, have some big guards, big wing forwards. We can defend those guys, I think. I, I, especially our small ball lineup, the way that's been playing, I would love to see that against San Diego State. And then we go back to Baylor, man. That's a game where I feel like that Matt, Joey, Alex lineup would really do some damage against a team. They don't score all that much, and they're not an, a really efficient scoring team. Let's let's put some efficiency out against them and, and really put some pressure on them to score the ball for a little bit because nobody in the nation that they played so far has done that to Baylor. Dude, I'm fine with us being a two seed. Even if we don't make it to that one line, I'm good with it. Yeah, it's 100% an overreaction to say that Duke City matters. That was an overreaction. Uh, I don't care for a one. I don't care for a two. And let me throw something out at you, AC, that mm-hmm. outside of one game, on the 29th of this month at UVA in Charlottesville, a couple mm-hmm. hours north. Um, we don't leave the state of North Carolina, presumably, until mm-hmm. the Sweet 16. So we have, home, we have home games. We play at NC State, play at Wake. Um, then the Greens, in, in Greensboro is the ACC tournament and the first round, which we'll obviously be slotted in. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that we wouldn't have to go anywhere except for New York? to get to the final four and i mean new york new york York. i mean come on so you can't ask for a better setup than i don't care who's the one seed if we're the two uh if we're if we're slotted in the east and and we should be let's let's Mm -hmm. be honest we should be um then that means that we don't have to leave the east coast we can go to the friendly confines in duke north uh and then obviously the final four is in atlanta so we're not going to get too far ahead of ourselves but we don't have to go far. So yeah. we talked about this season that the ACC schedule set up really well for Duke. Mm-hmm. And now we're looking a little bit ahead to when is the postseason hold. We're talking about the ACC tournament being at Greensboro, the first two games of the NCAA tournament being at Greensboro. So you already get familiarity with the gym for some of these guys that haven't played there. Yep. And, you know, you, you, you use that. Plus, then you go to New York where you've already played. So, and you know you're going to have a lot of home fans there. Like, the seating doesn't make any difference. Where we are, 100% matters. Absolutely. But the seating makes absolutely no difference. And, you know, I hope these guys don't look ahead. Uh, but I'll tell you what, this is setting up to be something special. And we're going to see if it, if it comes to fruition. But let's switch gears here to the ACC. Uh, we'll do a little ACC roundup. <laughs> So I want to start with the kind of on the team level. Uh, Obviously, Mm we thanks to Clemson uh, for their big Mm -hmm. win over Louisville. Uh, We're now sitting at the top of the standings in the ACC. Um, Louisville still has to go at Florida State. I know that Florida State already beat them once, um, so that's going to make them a little bit tougher to beat them twice. But do you see, you know, 
the standings moving around at all. And and talk about seeding where it does matter. I do believe in the ACC tournament, you have to be at the one. You don't want to be two or three because you don't want to have to face Louisville and Florida State. Because presumably, uh, if you're a two, three, you're going to have to play both to get to the title. Right. Yeah, no, I'm in total agreement with you on that. Being the one seed in the ACC tournament is more important because presumably right now, if things stayed the way they are, we'd be playing Virginia as the one seed. That that'd be our that would be our four seed that we'd possibly potentially face. You might see some movement between Syracuse, NC State, and Virginia in that little that little range there. But between those three, I will take that absolutely in the ACC tournament. I would take that over having to to play back to back games of Louisville and then Florida State or vice versa. So, because Duke, Louisville, and Florida State, hands down, I think everyone can agree, three best teams in the conference by far. After that, it really just it falls off off of a cliff, man. The rest of the league stinks, quite honestly, and and the ACC is going to have trouble. We kind of look like a Pac-12 this year, where we're going to have trouble getting four, maybe five teams in the tournament this year. UVA, I think will I think they will make it. The rest of their season has a favorable-ish schedule. NC State, eh, they're going to have to do some work. Syracuse is going to have to do some work. Both those teams need a, uh, they need quality wins, and you're really not going to get a lot of quality wins in the turn in, in the ACC this season outside of beating Duke, beating Florida State, and beating Louisville, which didn't happen for some of these teams. So, man, it's going to be tough to get that many teams in. But hey, once the tournament rolls around, everybody has a shot, right? You, UNC can come back and win the ACC tournament and, and get into the tournament with a. Let's not get carried away. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you're gonna. I don't, I don't know if you're gonna have to cut this. I don't know if you're gonna have to cut the segment, man. But like, let's not get carried away. I mean, uh, watch it. Watch. I don't know how you were, man, but I was watching the the end of the UVA UNC game, and I was just oh, laughing. When, when I hate UVA as much as I, I hate, hate UNC, UVA, and I loved it. I loved that every was second fantastic. Of it. That was fantastic. Yeah. Um, John, that's hilarious. Um, but yeah, you're right. It, it is. It, it is more paramount to have the one seed in the ACC than it is in the NCAA tournament this mm-hmm. particular season. Um, yep. So let's switch a little bit toward uh, individuals. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was coming in, uh, it was kind of setting up first, you know, Vernon Carey versus Nora from Louisville as, you know, kind of a, a, a tussle between those two who would be the ACC player of the year. Uh, he Nora's had a couple tough games. And Vernon Carey just continues to do what Vernon Carey does. Yep. I think Vernon Carey right now is kind of in shoulders the, the ACC Player of the Year. Obviously, yeah. there's still you know six games to go, so it's not over. But right now, it seems to lose. Am I wrong on that? No, no, you're not wrong. And quite honestly, his biggest threat, in my opinion, is not Jordan Wara. It's Trey Jones. Chris Mack is going to Chris Mack. Jordan Wara, they cannot get him shots for whatever reason. And Chris Mack is not doing a good job of getting his star player shots, and you've seen it in the way they've dropped a couple of games now. Trey Jones and Vernon Carey are just going off. And really, I mean, honestly, if Trey continues this stretch run of assists and points and the way he's been playing on defense, I would not be surprised at all to see if if the voters end up giving it to him over Vernon. But Vernon is just he, – he, he's, he's phenomenal – he doesn't play a lot of minutes, so his stats don't on the surface show exactly what it is he's doing on the floor. But the kid is just – he's so steady. One of the steadiest players we've had at Duke in a while. I, I love the way he plays. But, no, you're, you're exactly right. 
Vernon, I think, is he he should be at the moment, should be player of the year. Coach K should be coach of the year. Okay. I don't want to hear anything else about anybody else. Should. Yeah. No one else. There's nobody else. Like because because the, the people who get the credit for, oh, they had to turn their roster over and look what they've done with their team. Case had to do that this season. Roster turnover. You had to replace Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett for God's sakes. We've done it. K has done it. Then then you look at the record. Then you look at how just all around like no there's no one else in the league who deserves the vote over k in this regard and the fact that he hasn't won it since the year 2000 is a travesty man 20 years ago coach k won coach of the year in the acc which is ludicrous this year it's his don't even overthink it don't try to be cute with your vote coach k is the guy with this year there's no doubt about it yeah you know (laughs) you know he won his 500th acc game this season and nobody is even close to where he is, dead or alive. Um, right. So it, it, uh, it absolutely, we'll start there. Coach K 1000% should be the coach of the year. What he's done yeah. with his team. And then let's just go by X's and O's. You know, what he's been able to do with his roster. Again, the shot losses, versatility, using the versatility, uh, using different lineups. Uh, we played Florida State, and, you know, Sean McDermott said uh, on the telecast that. You know, Florida State has used nine different starting lineups. Well, shit, Duke's used 10 or 11. At least. So, right, so, like, we've used so many different uh, starting lineups this season. Coach K has not been afraid to sit anybody outside of Trey Jones in different games, depending on what the matchups call for, depending on what the the situation is. So, he's tried different things. A lot of things have worked. He has shown with this group the resiliency of winning uh, after the UNC game. He has shown the ability to go small like he did at the end of the UNC game. He's shown the ability to play, you know, you know, Jack and Jab and at the end of the games in, in lieu of sitting, you know, Vernon Carey and, and things like that. So like he has clinkered. He's done all these different things. And what has it resulted in? 22 and 3, 12 and 2 in the ACC on top of the standings. You can't say enough about him. I agree to an extent what you're saying about uh Vern's biggest contribu- or, uh, competition is Trey Jones. I'm going to finish this one out. Do you think that they could take votes away from each other and kind of let it get to a situation where then because of that, Norla uh, becomes the ACC player of the year by default? No, un- unless unless Noara goes on some streak to end the season, he's got, what, five, six games left now for Louisville? Yeah. If, if he goes on a streak to end these six games where he's scoring 25-plus points a game, kind of like he was to start the season. You know what? So be it. You, you've done your work, son. But, no, there shouldn't be enough votes between Vernon and Trey to take away to give him enough votes to win. Yeah, I, 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 don't, so. I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. He doesn't play the defense Trey does. He doesn't affect the game overall the way Trey does. He's not as dominant as Vernon is. Like, and, and then the stats all prove all of that. Like, there's, there's no way it should happen. There's no way. I'm sorry. It, it would be – we can't give Duke all the awards this year if that's what happens. Like, seriously, that's that's the way it would look. Otherwise, you know what? Vote him on to the first team unanimously if you want all that. Cool. Go for it. But there's no way he deserves player of the year over Trey or Vernon. Speaking of Trey, does he finally get the uh, – she finally, she's only second year, but he should have gotten it last year. Uh, does he get the defensive player of the year? You have to think so. Somebody might get cute and give it to Trent Forrest. And you know what? Forrest is a really good defender. He showed it in camera with the eight steals. That might be something that is put on the resume. And when they talk about it, they say, oh, we got eight steals in camera and most ever in camera and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 
no. For, in terms of sustained excellence all season, it's got to be Trey with a, a secondary vote for Jordan Goldwire. Like for sure, yeah. His his defense gets credit, but the amount of credit it gets, like it's like Trey is like he's the guy. So the the way that he plays defense and then goes on the other side of the floor and plays offense is amazing. But Jordan, dude, I'm telling you, man, that dude, that dude, in my opinion, he his defense is better than Trey's. I think I, I really think it is. And Jordan's not getting. The, he's not like he's getting the worst matchup. Jordan's usually matched up on the one or the two. So, yeah. I mean, he's he's matched up against teams one and two score on the perimeter. He's, dude, he's golden on the defensive end. So, I, I think Trey deserves it and he's earned it. And if if Jordan got the vote, I'd be okay with it. But anybody else, I'm not buying in. <laughs> yeah, no, Jordan definitely deserves uh, some votes, man. He's been a junkyard dog. He's been uh, mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. Um, I think it gives a lot of it takes a lot of pressure off of Trey and Trey, like I said at the uh, you know the Notre Dame game when he made that you know awesome steal and uh, finished it at at the rim, uh, Trey was going nuts. So he loves it. He appreciates it. Oh, yeah. uh, he knows he knows what it does for him. Uh, right. You know, being able to to help him save a little bit of energy. Um, so Jordan, absolutely. All right. So let's finish this thing off. We have uh, NC State Wednesday night 9 p.m. I hate these 9 p.m. games during the middle of the week. Um, you know it'll be down down in Raleigh. It'll be it'll be rocking for whatever reason. Um, you know that is a place that uh, historically uh, has given us some fits here and there. Um, but you know what? This new team, for whatever reason, they they know how to handle you know tough situations. Um, I'm a little uneasy about this game. What do you see happening? What do you see playing out? I think we win. So I, I was with you before. Then we did we did a little digging. If we look back at just just this past decade, just this past decade, I believe what do we find? A Duke is like eleven and five against NC State, and only two of those wins for NC State are at home. NC State's actually beaten Duke three times at Duke. They've beaten Duke more at Duke than they have away. I, I know I know what we're all thinking, and I know what we're all feeling, especially in in the in the two thousand decade from two thousand to two thousand ten. NC State won a couple of games at home against Duke. That's it. Like, it, it, it just feels like it's always felt like a team that shouldn't beat Duke at NC State is going to beat Duke at NC State. But it, it happens rarely. It, it happens a lot more rarely than we feel like it actually does. It's just when they do beat us, they beat us by a lot, and it's just not a close game. I don't see that this year. This NC State team, they have a lot of guys who can score the bucket. They don't have a lot of defensive capabilities. They don't have a lot of big bodies that they can put on the floor if we want to go with a lineup with Matt. And Vernon, if Jack steps up finally again, if if Jav steps up a little bit for us, we we put some size on the floor against them and give them some trouble. If they go small, we know our small ball lineup works. I think we match up well against them. I'm going for the win on this one. I'm going Duke 90. I'm going NC State 80. Yeah, I like that. We got Tasha Stanley back, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. Some kind of freak. <laughs> Freak accident yeah. uh, in the layup line. Fire that trainer, whoever the trainer. Yeah, that, guy, that guy's Mark done. Jose Fonseca fire. <laughs> yeah, that that guy's done. Um, but uh, yeah, so I I like that too. I think that we score at will. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm hoping that you know, much like the last couple games, you know, against Florida State and Notre Dame, we get off to hot starts. And if we are able to do that, I think we can win this one um, in a more comfortable fashion than 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 I initially expected. So I'm going to go with 87 to the 82. I think it'll be a closer score, but I think we're controlling the game for the majority of it. Okay, so Saturday night, your favorite game of the year, uh, Virginia Tech and Duke. This one's in Cameron. 
what do you see happening here? I know in the first game, you know, they did a great job of kind of setting the blueprint for, you know, going, you know, small, spreading this out, uh, taking Ronan out of the game, making him, you know, extend on defense. What do you see happening in this one? Same kind of deal? Uh, yeah, th- I mean, obviously they're going to have to go small. They they have no – there's no possibility for them to put big bodies on the floor. They just don't have them. Uh, the biggest issue with Tech right now, they had a good game against Pitt this weekend, but they just – they don't have a lot of depth. They have no size. So at this point in the time, usually in a conference like the ACC, that wears you down. Like, you just – you don't have enough steam. The other part of it is, yeah, early on in December, they gave teams the blueprint on how to spread Duke out. They also gave Duke the same blueprint, so now Kay can go into practice and work on what he needs to work on to fix this problem because we saw it rear its ugly head against Clemson and Louisville. So I, I don't see it being an issue with this game. I don't see the spread in the floor on defense. We, we've seen we can play small ball. We see we can put a smaller lineup out there. Plus, we've seen now Vernon play against the smaller and, and be able to, to stay on the floor. So don't see it being an issue. I don't see the double and triple team being an issue again this time around. I see Duke, much like the Notre Dame game, maybe it's close early and then Duke pulls away in the half, second half. So let's give me Duke 85 and Virginia Tech 60. Yeah, um, I think it's going to be very similar to that Notre Dame game as well. Uh, what, what bothered me uh, at the beginning of the Notre Dame game was just how many easy looks that they were getting um, mm-hmm. at the rim. But uh, we wore them down. We're going to wear a tech down as well. Take away their three-point shooters and we're going to be in good shape. Give me 88 to 88 to 67. As long as we keep moving, AC, as long as we keep chugging away, uh, that the train is headed on great track. I'm just saying that because the conductor was back in the building against Notre Dame on Saturdays. The, the crowd got hyped. It was so fun to see. We are heading to great things this season. I am go. pumped up. I know you're pumped up. Let's go do. Let's go do. Thank you for tuning in to the 5-Point Play Podcast, the number one Duke fans podcast. Check us out at 5-Point Play Podcast and on Twitter, 5-Point Play Podcast. Go Duke!